following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Well, the Royals uh, blow it again. <sighs> Late innings, uh, home runs given up by the bullpen. And I will say this, at least John McMullen got two outs before he gave up a dinger. <laughs> yeah, teased you a little bit, did he? Yeah, just a touch. Welcome to the game. It's Fortner Troy Coverdale and Travion Berkland wearing, a, oh, for the second time this week, his New York City MTV hoodie. <laughs> the phone number is 537-1350. Couple of uh, Big 12 previews today. Uh, coming up actually here in about... Oh, 10, 15-ish minutes. We're going to preview the Baylor Bears with Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. And coming up in the second hour, an hour after that interview, it's going to be a preview of, I think, a sleeper this season for the Big 12. And they're a newcomer. We're going to preview UCF with Brandon Helwig, who covers UCF for Rivals. Plus, also now number two, I want to look at the uh, K-State offense. We're going to hear an abbreviated version of Will Howard's press conference from earlier this week and the improvements that are expected with the K-State offense for the 2023 season. Currently in progress, K-State soccer has officially opened up its regular season. They're on the road at Green Bay, and they're four minutes into the second half. We are tied at one. Uh, K-State boy looked sloppy. To begin, oh, almost a goal went in there for K State. Looked like the opener, essentially. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. And this is a rough team. I mean, sloppy in a, in a young team and trying to develop that depth. I mean, yeah, I mean, some growing pains. Yeah, growing pains can happen, uh, and they certainly are. And they give up a goal in the first uh, 12-ish minutes or so, and then K State bounces right back not long after that with a header off a corner. Uh, to make it 1-1, and we have been tied for basically the last 35 minutes or so. So, K-State trying to go 1-0 in soccer for just the second time in program history. The first time was back in, uh, let's see, it was 2018, I believe, was the year uh, that K-State started 1-0 when they took down, uh, let's see, if I remember correctly, I believe it was St. Louis, the Billikens came to town, and... Uh, the Cats got the 1-0 start. Now, after today, after they get done with the Green Bay match against the Phoenix, uh, they go down to Chicago and play Northwestern, who's a top 25 team. But remember, an exhibition play, K-State tied 1-1 with a top 10 Arkansas team. So you never know what's going to happen in a sport like soccer. But they're 50 minutes in. K-State has really dominated the game when it comes to possession. Just looking for the uh, the go-ahead goal. They're still tied at 1 uh, 50 minutes into the match. Meanwhile, K-State basketball with another exhibition earlier today. Taking on Mexico, the 31st ranked team in the FIBA rankings. Cats take the loss, unfortunately. Final score, 83-81. Um, I mean, if you want to go back to the word sloppy, it was not a strong fourth quarter for this team. And by the way, this is an 8 o'clock tip-off here yeah. in Kansas. In, uh, they're in Abu Dhabi. And um, drum tank throwing out a different lineup today. Um, a lineup you won't see in the regular season. 
Tyler Perry, R.J. Jones, your starting guards. At Ford, you had Michaela Britch, Arthur Kaluma, and then Jarrell Colbert, the starting center. And by the way, I mean, K-State's playing these games. Quest Glover just became a cat. Not with the team, obviously. That's going to be an added spark, no doubt about that, off the bench. And also David Gasson. Have you been keeping up with David Gasson and what he's been doing with the Netherlands? Yeah, talked a little about it this morning and that he had a solid tournament. Came back from a slow start to perform very well yesterday, I know. Yeah, uh, I think you're, you're, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. On my birthday. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds in 22 minutes. And uh, Gasson, i tell you what, I think he needs to shoot the three more. He was 5 of 10 last year. He goes into this FIBA pre-qualifying tournament. He goes two for four. Well, shoot the shoot the three a little bit more. If he is consistently shooting 50%, I don't know if you keep up with the numbers in basketball, that's a pretty good clip. Yeah, pretty pretty solid. Pretty good clip. Uh, but there in the FIBA qualifying tournament for, uh, for David Gasson, who has uh, another year with the Cats, and- he averaged 10 points. Uh, I'm sorry, he averaged nine points and six rebounds and a block in 26 minutes a game. When it was all said and done, though, they wind up being eliminated out of pool play and don't advance on further in the tournament. So the Edwards brothers, by the way, we talked earlier this year about Jesse, and he was part of the starting five with Gasson, and uh, older brother Kai was part of it, too. I got to see the... Family via Facebook a little bit over the course of the last few days. Did you know? Do, uh, do you know their numbers by chance? I don't. Well, I sounds like they up. needed more David Gassans. Yeah, probably. They needed more David Gassans. They could just basically play from anywhere on the floor. Uh, meanwhile, for K State against Mexico today, you know, uh, some folks freaking out about it a little bit. I'm like, you know, it's August. It's an exhibition. You know, um, you know, half of the roster wasn't even a part of K State last year. A couple of others on the roster didn't play at all last year, even though they were on the roster. Jarrell Colbert, one of them. We saw very little of of Dorian Finister. But I got to say, you know, the first couple of games, I got some takeaways, and they're pretty positive. Pretty positive. It, maybe some growing pains we'll see, but there's a lot they're going to improve on, no doubt about it, by the time the season comes around. I mean, these are why you get this opportunity once in a while to go overseas and play these games and how the timing is perfect right now for K-State where you have a, just a, a, a mix of newcomers from either the JUCO ranks or a, three true freshmen who I all was impressed with. I think all of them, Day-Day Ames, R.J. Jones, Michaela Rich, in their various ways, are ahead of schedule and development. Ahead of schedule. I mean, better than what I was expecting. Arthur Kaluma is an interesting case right now because he was off-the-charts best player couple of days ago against Israel Select, and then today, not as smooth. 1 of 8 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. He grabbed 4 rebounds. He finished with just 4 points. It wasn't his best day. But I got to say, there's no doubt about it, Naquan Tomlin is special, mm-hmm. crazy athletic, and looked good. Tyler Perry is... So far, the guy we were hoping for and has lived up to expectations right now because he comes out of these first two exhibition games and he's averaging 17 and a half points, doing a good job of dishing out the basketball. He did foul out earlier today, and that was another thing about today's game. The fouls were a bit ridiculous at times. 
the technical fouls. Do you see the technical fouls yes, in the fourth quarter that started yes. getting racked up by Mexico? Maybe they were talking a little bit too much. It was a weird game in the fouls department. There was so there were so few. There there was such a little flow really to the game. But like Marquise Noel, Tyler Perry's fearless. He is. If you need a, the clutch shot, I can already tell he wants to be the guy to take the shot, and he, he looks like to be a reliable guy to take the shot. He did it twice. Today, where K-State needed a bucket in uh, in short time, into the third quarter. And by the way, Tyler Perry going to the free throw line, knocking down free throws to keep K-State in it. And a huge three that rattled home in that fourth quarter. But it was just the last couple of possessions. It got too sloppy. And it did, unfortunately, gravitate around Cam Carter. Cam today finishing with 11 points, his second straight game in double figures, where he does well at the free throw line. But again, from the field, it, it wasn't as sharp as you would hoped it would be. He was just 2 of 7 from the field. He missed four of his five attempts from three. Um, I, I still see improvement. And I'll go back to what D.Y. said yesterday. That improvement comes from just his confidence in the ball handling. And he feels more confident with that leading to scoring from all three levels. He wants to take it to the rim a little bit more. Um, and, and just unfortunately was not finishing on some of those shots. He turns it over a couple of times late. But again, they lost by two to a national team. And let me just say this. Don't let those Jayhawk fans get under your skin because <laughs> your basketball team lost an international game. Earlier this month, KU was overseas. I'm not sure exactly where they were. Italy, I believe. But they played the Bahamas. They played the Bahamas national team. FIBA ranked 50-something, so a lot worse. A lot worse than Mexico. <laughs> they lost that game by six. KU lost that game by six. Don't let them do that to you. Right. Don't let them do that to you. A loss, not a big deal. It's whatever. I take away a lot of positives. My top positive is Tyler Perry. He is quickly becoming my new favorite player. Also just, you know, I have a thing for the point guards. I have a a thing for the shorter players. You know, I have a type. Oh, imagine that. I have a type, Troy. Imagine that. But what I forgot to mention, Tyler, his his shooting today, I mean, he was 5 of 10 from the floor, all from three. All of his makes Mm -hmm. from the field were from three-point range. So this uh, this is a reliable quarterback. A reliable quarterback for Coach Tang in year number two here at Kansas State. All right. Uh, still to come in the show in hour number two, I do want to talk about the quarterback of the K-State football team in Will Howard, plus expectations expected with the offense in 2023. We got a UCF preview with Brandon Helwig, but coming up next, it's our good friend Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. He will help us preview the Baylor Bears. Coming up next. We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Goverdale, and Travion Berkland. Update uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. K-State soccer opening up its season today, and they're playing right now in the second half. 64th minute, still tied at one with the Phoenix. K-State looking for their first or their second ever 1-0 start uh, in program history. By the way, it's the eighth season 
in program history for head coach Mike Dabini and K-State soccer. But now let's head south to Waco, Texas. It is uh, Big 12 preview number five of the preseason as we preview the Baylor Bears with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365. Ashley, great to talk to you again. Baylor last year, six and seven, four and five in the Big 12. Um, not this season, I think most of us around the Big 12 expected out of Baylor. What were the uh, main factors for that finish for the Bears in 2022? Yeah, I think it was a disappointing season, especially considering I think they were, you know, two of the preseason favorites along with Kansas State last year uh, to win the conference. You know, I think it was just um, some, uh, you know, I hate to say use this word uh, without, you know, some, some thought to it, but, you know, there's a couple cancers uh, on the team and, and that just spread throughout the whole team. And, and I think Dave Miranda has addressed that in the um, preseason talks, you know, several times and there was a few guys he shouldn't have kept around that he did wanted to give them second third chances and and uh you know just really affected the team chemistry and and uh that led to a disappointing finish to the season um you know i, I think he feels good about these guys that he has now and and there is uh some strengths to the team the defensive line certainly is going to be a strength he feels really good about the wide receiver group the running back group as, as an experienced guy at Blake, with Blake shape at the quarterback position uh, you know, so I think there's some reason for optimism, eight home games, but uh, we'll see. You know, it's going to be a, a, a real important bounce back year for the Bears if they want to, you know, start to uh, put it how they had it like, two years ago when they won the Big 12 championship game. Well, to, to preview Baylor in 2023, starting on the offensive side, I, I think what sticks out to me outside of Blake Shapin is the running back situation with Richard Reese returning over 1,100 yards. Uh, now he's preseason All-Big 12. Aranda goes to the transfer portal, brings in Dominic Richardson out of Oklahoma State. Does this feel like this could be a pretty strong one-two punch? Yeah, I think those two are the guys that will get 90% of the carries, maybe more. You know, Quaylen Jones was another guy, but he just got dismissed from the team uh, a couple weeks ago. So, I, you know, I do think that um, – you know, those two are going to be the workhorses and, and important to keep them healthy because there's some talent behind them, but, but nothing proven. So, you know, if they keep those two guys healthy, I think they'll feel really good about their, their running uh, back situation. Meanwhile, Blake's shaping, like you mentioned, is back at quarterback, an experienced quarterback. I, I, you know, if you ask around the Big 12, he was definitely candid to be one of the favorites when it comes to just best quarterbacks in the conference. Um, you know, a little bit inconsistent last year, of course, with too many interceptions, but throws for twenty eight hundred yards, eight eighteen touchdowns. I guess what's his next step into becoming back to where we thought it would be last year as one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve? Yeah, I, th- I think the maturation of the wide receiver group is going to be a, a big uh, plus for him. There's they're getting rave reviews and, and you know spring ball and, and then fall camp. Uh, so I, you know, I think Keychon Jackson, the uh, transfer from Arkansas, is a legit number one guy. And you know, if you have that, then it, it trickles down. Then, then your second, third receivers are, are drawing uh, lesser cover guys, and and you know, hopefully gets more space to throw the ball. You know, to receivers. I think he just had a lot of tight windows because the receiving group wasn't as good as years before for Baylor. So you know, it, 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 some of that's on Blake. He made some bad decisions. Has to make. Uh, you know, better decisions, but a lot of it is, I think, you know, his his talent and the wide receiver group should be better. Now, I've been hearing about, if I have this correct, there's a, some brothers that transferred in to play offensive yeah. line. Is that right? 
Yeah, some Barrington brothers from BYU. Okay. You know, the, the word I keep hearing, it's an unproven group, um, except for those guys. They're, they're starters at BYU. But I think that, um, you know, this is a chippier group. Uh, last year had a lot of experience, and, and big things were expected out of the offensive line. I would say they were disappointing uh, if, if we were going to grade them out based on expectations. You know, this year it's unproven, but, you know, very edgy, chippy groups. So I think, um, you know, Mateos, the offensive line coach and Jeff Grimes, offense coordinator, feel really good about what they have there. We are previewing the Baylor Bears in 2023 with Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. Moving to the defensive side of the football, of, you know, that was just another part of Baylor football where just, I would say, underachieved, especially with the talent it has. Uh, Dave Aranda hires a new defensive coordinator. How'd you feel about the hiring of Matt Pallage? Really good about it. You know, I think um, the guy, you know, I think it was just a situation where Pallage relates to players better. Players want to play for him. He was at Baylor in 21 when they, when they won the Big 12 championship. Uh, so, so, you know, a lot of the guys that are there know him. You know, I think that um, they have a lot of talent on the defensive line and, and some, you know, linebackers are really excited about. The secondary is a big question mark. Uh, lots of athleticism. A Miami transfer that they like. A guy from Utah State who, you know, is a starter there that, that they think will be maybe the best cover guy. But, but uh, you know, it's an unproven group. Uh, but, they, but they feel really good about the, the front seven and, and uh, you know, think they've got a lot to work with there. Well, you mentioned uh, just a few seconds ago uh, about you know the guys in the box, and I mean right there in the middle. I mean, how how do you feel the shoes of a Dylan Doyle and a in a Siaki Ika? Yeah, I mean those are big shoes to fill. Um, you know, I think uh, they got guys that Matt Matt Jones and Mike Smith, Liberty transfer. Mike Mike Smith's been been a home run as you know as far as you know his ability to to make plays and and. Uh, probably will be the Bears' leading tackler this year from the Mike position. Um, you know, he's a big, big addition. And then they they have some uh, more athleticism along the defensive line. T.J. Franklin should be an All Big Twelve player. Gabe Hall uh, also a candidate for All Big Twelve. Uh, you know, one of his best games he ever had was was two years ago at Kansas State, and, and one of the most physical uh, football games I remember in a long time. So, you know, I think I think they have some reason for promise. Carmen Randolph. Uh, is is a very athletic, twitchy uh, guy that should you know do some good things from a pass rush perspective, and they've got some other uh, a transfer from from Utah State that they, they like in the you know that department as well. So um, we'll see how it, it translates, but I think they feel like uh, the defense uh, should get back on track. And and Dave Landers had such a long streak of, of top twenty five defenses uh, going back to Wisconsin, LSU. You know, his first two years, or first, last year, 21 at Baylor. I think he was a little bit below that uh, his first year at Baylor. But I think, you know, he was very disappointed in how the defense performed last year. And, and I think uh, he's a defensive first coach, and I think you'll see a, a return to that uh, defensive identity this year. In the, uh, like, press conferences leading up to the season, has there been a lot of talk about improving just stops on third down? That was something that Baylor struggled with last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, that's 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 a huge uh, huge factor in, in what they're doing, and um, you know, of course, you know that all starts with getting ahead of the chains and creating second and eights, third and sevens. You know, if if, if you have third and twos, third and threes, then then the other team's going to convert a lot of third down. 
uh, you know, they're going to convert on third down a lot. So, so I think it's all about, you know, making sure that they stop the run first and um, get, get uh, teams and predictable pass downs and then unleash what they think will be a pretty good pass rush. Well, the media, as did I, uh, voted Baylor to finish sixth. So it, you, know, you consider them a dark horse for potentially a, a run to Arlington. Utah's in the non-con, so that's not easy. Plus, in the f- top half of the uh, of the schedule, Texas, UCF, and Texas Tech there. But it seems like the second half of the schedule is pretty manageable. Where do you uh, do you feel like sixth was appropriate, or where do you have Baylor finishing in twenty twenty three? I think uh, appropriate considering the question marks that they have. Uh, but I do think the schedule breaks very favorably. When, when they won the Big 12 championship two years ago, uh, they had a more favorable home schedule, and they have that this year too. Eight of their games are at home. Uh, if you look at what, where they go on the road, obviously winning at TCU is not going to be easy, and, and Kansas State's the hardest game. And then they have to go to Cincinnati and, and UCF. But other than that, everybody else is at home. So, you know, if you go seven and one at home, and uh, if you can split the road games, uh, that's a terrific season. Nine and three. I, I think that's probably an optimistic upside for Baylor. But uh, you know, they're pretty good at home. They've got a good atmosphere, and I, I think they will get back to uh, you know some of the magic they've had there over the years. Uh, at, at you know at home, and and uh, Utah coming in without with their quarterback hurt, and um, you know having to play eleven a.m. and one hundred 12 degrees or whatever it's going to be, yeah. uh, probably not the easiest uh, draw for them. So, so we'll see how that uh, shakes out. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think their schedule is favorable. I, I may have asked you this last year, but with the newcomers in the conference, talking about the four that came in for this uh, season, do you see a rivalry building with BYU, or is that just going to be more easily when it comes to geography to build it with, like, Houston? Yeah, I think they have history with Houston, and I think because of the uh, recruiting battles, you know, that that are probably going to be more head to head with Houston going forward. That that might be, uh, uh, you know, a little more spirited rivalry. But the BYU Baylor should be a, a good rivalry just because of the the church affiliations. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that makes sense, and you know, it's, it's going to be interesting um, when when teams change conferences. Historically, it's it's not. You know, it's, it, there, there's always an adjustment period, and I, and I just wonder with the four teams coming in. Uh, you know, you have some games uh, in the American Conference that, that you know on paper you should win. There's just no easy outs in the Big Twelve, and and so going through the gauntlet of that, um, you know, nine game conference schedule, uh, would be interesting to see. You know, who has the depth to do that? You know, I think I think there's going to be an adjustment period for those four teams, and and maybe for the schools that are in the Big 12, getting them later in the season uh, you know, may be beneficial from that standpoint. Well, Casey and Baylor will once again meet up this season as it's a road trip for the Bears coming up in Manhattan. So, Ashley, once again, I greatly appreciate your time, and um, we'll see you in Manhattan later on this year. Thanks for having me. That is Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 here on the game. That is our fifth preview of the Big 12 uh, for the 2023 season. We still have one more to go today, coming up at 5.30-ish. Uh, UCF preview with Brandon Helwig, who covers the Knights for Rivals. We'll take a break. More of the game next.
We are back. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. The three with you today. we got a full two hours coming up tomorrow. Well, we'll really tackle the defensive side of the football for the Cats. We'll hear from defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman and some select players at a press conference tomorrow uh, following a practice. So we're going to hear from the Clandy man for the first time in the preseason. Well, it'll be the only time most likely in the mm-hmm. preseason until uh, most likely uh, leading up to game one. September 2nd against Southeast Missouri. And I'm not going to lie, guys. I've had my eyes glued on to this uh, ESPN Plus sloppy broadcast from Green Bay. <laughs> I mean, just some real shoddy camera work. Not to criticize too many. I don't know who's running the show here. But, man, when the uh, the camera work is real rough to handle. First game of the year, man. But I do have some good news. <laughs> The Soccer Cats have taken the lead on maybe the luckiest goal. There we go. In program history, Aliyah El Nagar. Oh, I I can't remember how far the goal was. I'm going to guess about 20 yards or so, uh, just inside the box. Sends a skipper to the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper with the save, down to her knees to stop the ball, and the ball goes through the goalkeeper's legs. And the Cats have taken a 2-1 to lead. Now, the first goal for K-State was very impressive. I mean, from a corner, set-piece header from Jasmine Brown makes it 1-1. And now K-State, in the 73rd minute, scores 10 minutes to go. K-State has really dominated this match. I got to say, other than giving up the goal, this has been a offensive-dominated game. It's just not quite showing it on the scoreboard until they took the lead just a few minutes ago. But right now, the Cats leaning, uh, lining up for a corner, trying to get that insurance goal. I believe this is the first time K-State scored multiple goals in a uh, season opener. Oh, really? Header again. Oh, it goes in. Oh, K-State does get the corner goal. Oh, man. I haven't done play-by-play for uh, for soccer on the radio in years, Troy. <laughs> but Jasmine Brown, her second corner and header goal and K State takes a three to one lead with nine and a half minutes to go. That's how you get over the sloppiness right there. I mean, just perfectly delivers into the back corner. Great job. Jasmine Brown, sophomore, sophomore defender for the Cats has two goals on the day. How about it? You mentioned, by the way, while we're writing uh, K State sports here. You mentioned opening week for the Cats, not all that far away from us. When's Wildcat Insider return? Be the first Monday. Okay. That first Monday. We'll uh, we'll be back at it. So this coming Monday. So a week from Monday. Yep. This coming Monday, we're normal. Next Monday after. Well, and of course, um, a week from Friday, or this uh, a week from tomorrow, I should say, uh, will be our last uh, Friday show for a while because, you know, High school football going to be taken over. We're going to be both going all over the place for, you know, whatever we have lined up. Uh, like I said earlier this week, Manhattan High opening up in a one-two matchup in six A against Derby, third time in fourteen games they play Derby. Uh, but again, K State soccer is taking a three-to-one lead in Green Bay. They are now eight and a half minutes away from a one-and-zero start to the twenty twenty-three campaign before they head to Northwestern to play a top twenty-five matchup on the road. Cats have never started 2-0 in program history. So uh, getting close to a victory for K-State. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. 
Let's go ahead and take a break. Wanted to do a quick segment, but coming up next, um, an update <laughs> and an, inc- an insane update on Chief Saholic and what he is facing potentially. That's coming up next. Here comes another corner kick for the Cats. Back up top to the box. Here's a one-timer. Goes wide. Four minutes to go. Cats still up 3-1 in Green Bay. Welcome back. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. <laughs> or uh, not David G, but Travion Berkland here. They do not look the same. Before we get to Chiefsaholic, I, saw, I just saw this news. Um, it's a few hours old, I guess. Uh, about Bob Huggins. Uh, and when I say a few hours old, it's like a day old. I'm just now seeing it. but um, So, Bob Huggins, boy, what a rough 2023 for that guy. Um, ever since the, the basketball season ended, uses a gay slur and offends Catholics all at the same time on a Cincinnati radio show. Uh, West Virginia's ready to sweep that under the rug, and now and then he gets popped for a DUI in Pittsburgh. Thought he was in a completely different town, Columbus, Ohio, no and less. Um, and he was way over the legal limit. He blew a point two one zero, which I mean, you're knocking on the door of triple, right? The legal limit, um, and then was ready to sue West Virginia because he said he never actually resigned uh, as head basketball coach of West Virginia. His wife sent it in. He had no knowledge of it, um, but now Josh Eilert's going to be the uh, the uh, the new head coach at least for now. The latest on Bob Huggins, he's going to get his diversion, so he's going to not see jail time, but he will have to pay a uh, three thousand dollar fine, and um, he will also have to uh, have his license suspended for sixty days. I don't see anything about, and he'll go into a drug or not a drug and alcohol treatment program, but I don't see anything about community service. I always thought a community service was like a part of a diversion program, uh, but I don't know how Pittsburgh or how Pennsylvania handles those right. kind of things. How Pittsburgh handles those things? I'm pretty sure a DY uh, diversion uh, here in Manhattan also is way cheaper um, than uh, than. Than three thousand dollars, right? I also saw that he's planning to uh, get himself in a twelve-month alcohol rehab program. Yeah, I think that the discussion over whether or not his uh, future at, is still coaching at West Virginia is over. Well, no doubt. Um, but is he done as a coach in general forever? Um, right. Is there somebody that is like, you know? Is there somebody out there? It's like, oh yeah, we 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 need a coach. I mean, this is not Art Briles level, right? It's a valid point. Uh, that is going to depend on an awful lot. I mean, what is he going to feel like after what essentially is going to be a full year away? I mean, if he was willing to go through what he did, just stir up so much trouble. After already being arrested, after being, you know, said, "Hey, you better cool it," and with after the uh, the gay slur and offending Catholics, that all the trouble he's willing to go through to try to keep his job at West Virginia, yeah, the guy wants to coach. Mm-hmm. The guy wants to coach. All right, so the latest here, um, let's get to something funny now, because um, I do not feel bad for this guy whatsoever. Chiefsaholic, <laughs> you know the the Chiefs super fan that. Um, 
was on his way down to Houston for the Chiefs-Texans game, ends up robbing a bank in Tulsa, gets arrested, bails out, cuts off his ankle bracelet, and he's on the run for months, and and police could not find the guy. Well, it turns out he's also still robbing banks, and then he's trying to launder the money through casinos. He's winning money at the casinos, and it results as like more than $800,000 that he stole from more banks around the Midwest. Well, now he has officially been charged by a federal grand jury in Missouri. 19 charges he is facing. Here's the breakdown. You have three counts of armed bank robbery, one count of bank theft, 11 counts of money laundering. He did not watch Ozark, apparently. And four counts of transporting stolen property across state lines. Well, maybe he did watch Ozark because he's trying to launder it through (laughs) casinos. If you haven't watched Ozark, that's a bit of a spoiler alert, but I'm not giving too much away. But also, yeah, the the extra counts of transporting stolen property across state lines. Now, with all that, like it's hard to add up how much time he could be facing in prison. Right. But I looked up just one count of armed bank robbery, and that could get you just one count could get you upwards to 30 years in prison. You tack on two more counts of that, and then a whole bunch of money laundering. I don't know what that brings you in the state of Missouri, but he's looking at some serious time. So Chiefs fans, be ready to not see Chiefsaholic at Arrowhead Stadium for the rest of your lives. Right? Yeah. Not, uh, Not happening. Even though his attorney is saying that he's going to be cleared of all of this and and he's going to be uh, he's going to be looking forward to getting back out and inspiring Chiefs fans everywhere. Who's his lawyer, Vincent Gambini? Sounds like it. I, I told I told you I I told you what he was saying was just is out there. Well, th- that's a defense attorney for you though. Yes, deny, oh yeah, I deny, know. deny. deny. <laughs> but I'm like, did this didn't this guy not get caught? Not not red handed. Right. But there was definitely evidence on him, aka the mask. Right. Uh, but also the money. He had money on him as well, uh, apparently, you know. What he, innocent until proven guilty. What he hadn't bet, yeah. But I don't think there's a plea deal for for all this. No. There, I, there would be a plea deal like, oh, we'll wipe away the uh, across uh, stolen property across state lines counts, charges. But you got to do some time, bud. You're looking at, <laughs> well, well, could you do 10? Would you do 10 for us? Maybe 20 years in prison. No, the guy's going away for a while. All right, hour to the game. Uh, we're going to hear from Will Howard in just a moment, quarterback of the Cats plus expected improvements of the K-State offense plus a preview of UCF with Brandon Helwig is coming up next in Social Local News on the game.